0: We've been talking for like 10 minutes now, but yeah, we clapped some good stuff in
1: there, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That used to be how we so. Before.
0: This is uh, combustible the podcast, and uh, we have a guest today. We're gonna have a uh, Kale Hamilton, and uh, we're, it's uh, I'm Hatch, I'm gonna be, uh, I guess, engineering, driving the ship a little bit today. Kale will be filling in. Uh, Bill's not gonna be with us today, he's fi- uh, he's got a Kelly day, let's say. He- he's got a day off from us you know, for firefighters, they should not know what that means. Uh, But before we get back into what we're supposed to be talking about, how about Kale do a little bit talking about Kale? Kale. How long have you been on service? This ought to be easy, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) This is where you guys know i to talk. Kale's probably been like chomping at the bit. No. (laughs)
3: Um, I've been in the fire service 16 years. 16 years. First two years was volunteer with Alpharetta. I've always worked with Alpharetta. I'll say it unlike these other guys that I laugh (laughs) about work for an unknown department. Two years as a volunteer, got on full-time, and uh, I was actually thinking about this, driving over here. Um, i It's funny. I wasted, I talked to trucks about it, I wasted a good portion of my earlier career um, being okay with being the minimum standard, and kind of got woke up uh, in 2010, and... Really, that's kind of when I restarted my career and started applying myself to be a professional. Um, at the time, I just kind of was happy being a fireman and started really applying myself in 2010. So
0: so what created that epiphany for you?
3: Uh, we had a fire. It was uh, like a couple of working structures that night, lightning strike, and had a fire that really honestly scared me. Um, had the roof come in on us. We were in the master bedroom and kind of got an eye-opening experience of... I had a Mayday, first time ever been involved in a Mayday, and it was uh, me calling it for our crew. And so it kind of woke me up to need to be more of a professional and learn everything I can about this career and started the path I'm on today. So... was The reason why Cap Moen and myself went to Smoke Divers was that... And that kind of started it, and then just... Man, I I talked to Shane a lot about reading books. I read leadership books and study the fire service and started trying to get promoted. I I thought I'd be a career backstep firefighter. And then uh, it's funny, Rick Myers, uh, who was on y'all's podcast, said to me, and between the fire and then what Rick Myers said to me like within a month at the same time kind of woke my eyes up because you can't change anything riding in the back. He said, you got to start moving up if you want to make a change in your department. So...
0: It's hilarious coming from Rick. It, it was, but you know what? It made a huge
3: impact on my fire service career was, I don't even remember what we were talking about, but he said, "Kale, you can't change anything right in the back. He said, you got to start applying yourself and start trying to move up to make big changes. And
2: the thing is, I'll actually disagree just slightly because I love Rick and I wouldn't purposely disagree with him because I'm afraid he'd hurt me. But <laughs> nonetheless, um, I think you can change what you, what the part that you impact, which are other firefighters, right? Because they see how you interact. So, and it goes back to that that circle of influence and what kind of influence you have. Yeah, leading he, up, the I understand exactly what he's saying. You, you, what you can influence is a very limited Correct. in the back. And if you start talking about how you're going to change a station, and then start talking about how you're going to change a battalion, or then a department, it has to come from growth. You have to grow in that organization. Right.
3: So who's the most, to you guys being chiefs, who's the most influential guy? I like asking this question. Who's the most influential person in your department station-wise?
2: I say without hesitation it's the captain. I think it is the most important position in the fire service. What about battalion-wise? I say captain is the most important position in the fire service.
3: See, so I think the driver is the most influential in the station, and captain is the most battalion wide. is how I look at it because – the driver's still that middle man, or engineer, whatever you want to call it. The driver's still that middle man who's still a firefighter, but at the same time still has that communication with the officer, fills in as an officer. So,
2: And this is really a good point because this is clearly two different perspectives. So you're giving a firefighter perspective, and I'm giving a chief perspective. And I've heard this over and over. This is the debate. We when actually asked chief... this in, uh,
0: on our uh, Facebook page. We asked for a poll yeah, on right. this. And then, and you. we probably
2: learned from that poll that we may have should have defined it just a little bit more. But you're exactly right. Most people will say if you're talking about from a station level, the driver is a very important position. But there's just so much responsibility that's laid on that individual. If you start talking from my perspective, from a department's, I'm not. I'm getting outside of the station. I'm talking. Right. right. Getting outside the battalion. I'm going to talk about from a department's perspective. I think it's the captain is the most important. That person is so responsible for. Driving the the wishes of the department, the well-being of the department—they're the temperament, they're the thermostat of the the department. That—that's my perspective on that.
3: I'll agree with that, Captain Wise. I just think. In a station level, if you just take just a station, I think that engineer has so much more influence on the guys than the officer does.
0: But not all departments have engineers. It's a lot of it too is based on how your department yeah, right. is, is right. structured. Geared. Not right. all departments have captains. Not all departments have lieutenants. I mean, so it. You, right. you or take the engineer out of it and call it the senior firefighter. Right. And that's actually what we or, got as the answer was the, the senior firefighter. And I, I agree, but who also, in my opinion, shrugs off a lot of responsibility when it comes up to that. You know, like, hey, guy, you know, you're you're not doing this correctly. I'm not in charge. Who's who's watching me? They're all watching you. If you've got one day more than somebody else, that guy's somebody's watching you. And I think people lose perspective of that, you know. Yes, you're not formally in charge. You're not formally going to be doing this. But, you know, the brand new – and we talked about this before – the brand new rookie comes in and does not say – uh, the captain is my robot. I want to be the captain. He wants to be the senior guy. Right. If the senior guy talks salty and he talks disrespectfully to the captain, that guy's like, that's the culture. That's how I'm supposed to you know, assimilate. He's going to talk disrespectful to the captain. And then the senior guys going to be like, man, look at that rookie. Look how disrespectful he is. You taught him. You're teaching him by what you do. They just don't realize it, in my
3: opinion. Oh, absolutely. I still have more life lessons from when I got hired full-time our senior firefighter, more life lessons from him that I remember than ever the officer.
1: So, I think it, one of the things that you have to, and, and you were talking about it, Shane, when we say influence, is influence what? So from your chief perspective, yeah, the captain has a tremendous amount of influence at that station to either uphold or not what it is, the mission that you're trying to accomplish with the right. department, and then down at our level where we're at the station, like almost everybody has a tremendous amount of influence in the house. Uh, we've all been through the experience where we had a phenomenal crew, and one person gets added, and that one person just starts devastating that team little by little and breaking it down. So I think that you know every everyone has, even those that we think well they, they don't have influence. Yeah, when you live together the way we do, everybody has influence. But from a departmental standpoint, like you're looking at it. Yeah, the station officer does have a great deal of. Uh, yeah, I wasn't raising my hand. I was on the <laughs> point to uh, But That's I would agree with Shane. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would
0: agree with Shane on the, the captain. You're right. They have the formal authority through the department to drive things and whatever. But I also think it's their responsibility, if they live up to it, to have that informal responsibility to be that person who is paid attention to their job, done what they're supposed to do. Granted, the department grants them, because of their position, the formal formal authority, but they should be that guy. They should not be letting a driver, they can use the driver to tell. They should. Right, right. I I mean, but that should not be, I I don't know, go ask the driver how to do it. That captain should know everything that driver knows. I mean, he should should not defer himself to say, I'm going to pass it off to everybody else, and he doesn't know anything. He should assume that role to where... He talks about how the pump works. He can tell you how it works. He knows how to do all of it, and that's a lot of times what I think people. My voice is cracked. That was weird. Uh, I think a lot of times people think that's that's uh, what's going to happen. You know, I'm going to go in. I can ask the captain. I've seen tons of times the captain is oblivious, has no idea how to do this stuff.
3: But if he's a good leader, he'll take a decentralized command stance on it, and he will tell his guy, "Hey, listen." The driver, yes, I know how to pump the truck and I can teach it to you, but my driver, that's his job, and he's going to do a much better job. So he'll decentralize and put that on the driver, and which is making the driver, I think, a better leader. And he's using those skills of this guy knows better, and he's willing to admit that as a leader. Then I, I see both sides of it. I see that the captain, yes, has a ton of influence in the station, and so is the driver.
1: You want a lot of influence at the station? Get your company officer and the driver on the same page. Absolutely. You get those two on the same page and that house is ruled. Exactly. But more often than not, unfortunately, we've all experienced where they're not on the same page and there's some conflict there. But if you get your... Because I I agree with... We're all kind of in agreement. I think everybody has some influential power. But if you can get that company officer and that driver on the same page, mutual respect for each other. Uh, Because I agree with you, Kale. For me... I know that I'd give hey you go through my through the driver that's that's how it runs up the chain cuz he's going to be able to stop a lot of things and he could take a certain action and once it gets to me the action is going to change right. so once it gets to me there's certain things that I'm going to have to do that he can stop so if I'm working very well with that driver that house is it's going to run pretty well and it's going to be a lot more difficult when they do put you know that Sour apple inside right. of your station for it to have such an impact because you got those two on the same page. And so that's I think the best
3: crews I've ever worked for, yeah. where the driver and officer are like one solid leadership unit. Man, it's awesome. That's the best crew to ever work for. Is when those two at the top work great together. Then the guys in the back, it's it's seamless how it works.
1: You can almost say that really all the way up the chain. That if you're yeah. you know a battalion with a division, a division with a deputy, the deputy with the you know you can almost if you have your support system is sound because we all have somebody we're reporting to so if, if we have it if it's sound
0: I kind of disagree with that a little bit and it's only because uh, when you start going into the chief level and above you're not interacting on a day to day basis shoulder to shoulder it's more of the personal influence that you have to do from afar uh, in a distance I was thinking the concept was nice yeah yeah, yeah. I mean would you agree because yeah. it, it's, it's it's a little
2: more difficult
0: yeah you know whereas a captain can have a rookie come in and that day, you know, influence that rookie, teach him a skill, go to a fire, and see that skill get utilized that night. A chief is going to take months to get a captain, you know, to understand the perspective. And it may be months later before he sees that seed take hold right. because they're not in there every day interacting. You know, I can, would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's. it's I think it's a little different. It's great if it they're on happen. the same page. It just takes some time, it takes a lot of time takes a lot of time and I, I tell people that all the time that that's one of the biggest challenges for me as being a chief is having that patience to wait for those things to take hold and you know develop it, it, it can be very frustrating you, you have to be very patient
3: yeah and I've worked in a battalion house for nine years straight now so it's I have a different perspective than some people as well because my battalion chief's in my house so I get to see that whole leadership and that whole command structure all in one house so I have a little different perspective than somebody who's out on a on a station that doesn't have a battalion chief in right. the house. So.
0: It's perspective. The perspective is exactly what we kind of were talking about for this this podcast. So on the fire ground, you know the the chiefs have a perspective and have a, an outlook on the way that they're seeing things go, and the, the guys who are operating, you know the firefighters, and sergeants, the the captains, they all have a perspective. So that's kind of what we wanted to get into a little bit today. Incident command on the fire scene. Chief's perspective versus firefighter perspective or, I don't know what you want to call it, line guy perspective. Not so much who's right or wrong, but just kind of peeling back the layers and kind of showing you what we think or or why we're doing what we're doing. And that's probably the biggest
2: component is there's not a right or wrong. It's literally just, this is just an opportunity to stop and look through the different lenses when they're at the same table talking about it. Right. So
1: It's it's a personal perspective. Right. And mine may differ from Kale's and from yours and... But it's my perspective. it can at,
3: change. Look at all the different influences that we have. We work for different departments, different leadership styles. So, yeah, I mean, that perspective changes from person to person with all the outside influence
1: coming out. Well, hopefully this may, as we dive into some of this stuff, because we're, we're not going to agree on everything. We already have it, which is what makes <laughs> it so great. But this is what really department stations, battalions need to be doing is have this discussion, see why my perspective is what it is, and then we can we can figure things out. But without some open discussion as to well, why do you view it that way, you just start making assumptions and then that just drives a huge wedge
2: in the system. What's what's your thoughts on starting it with you know, I think about when we get on the scene, right? And so typically when we as the chiefs get on the scene, this thing's already been rolling for five, six, seven, eight minutes sometimes. Man, you got a big response territory. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say five minutes just okay, to be five nice. minutes.
0: How important is it that this thing starts in the right direction? All right, so what is that right direction? Oof. How do you know what direction it's being started at the, as the chief? How do I know? Yeah. Uh, for me, it's more,
2: of, it, it's more of a feel of what I'm hearing. Hearing, so it's communications,
0: communication. Right? So communication is where I want. Because I me, want to stop
2: at that with. point, I'm in route, and so I'm. I can only listen. So to the what's going on? Picture
0: being painted for you and I is completely by what the line guys are saying. Or period. Doing, That's you know, all we got to go on. Not what they're doing, but what they're saying over the radio. Correct. And I think that is such a missing component. Of guys are like, "Well, I'm so busy." Yes, you are. I get it. But I don't know what to ask for, and I don't know what's going on, and I don't know what tactics to employ to support you if you haven't been talking to me.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to straddle the fence a little bit on some of this because the role Cause. that I play puts me kind of on both sides of the fence at times since I'm not on the rig and I technically could be showing up as a command staff member. I could be showing up and going operational. But so you're a switcher.
0: Yeah, i was going to yeah, say this. Cross dresser,
1: switch hitter. <laughs> no, not switch hitter. <laughs> no, a, I, 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 I speak some language. What is wrong with you? Talking about kissing Kale earlier? <laughs> <laughs> Give me another mint. Give uh, me another mint. Uh, so, I agree. That picture has to be painted for the incoming. I think where you'll find the difference is, is uh, some people feel that they have painted a good picture, but it's not the picture you want. In other words, they're, they're on the radio, and they get on there and say, I arrived on scene. This is what I got. And, and they kind of they, they want to go operational. And you want more information, but they feel that they have already given you the information. I'm on the scene. You know it's a that. working incident, Check. and I'm going to work. Done. Nice. But now, you don't know if it's on a basement, if you need additional right. units, or none of that, because they want to get operational. But then in their, in, So why are they getting operational? Because they're comfortable there? Okay, so, and I can't talk for every department because every department is different, but I'm going to agree with that comment 110%. You are going to do what you are comfortable with. It is easier for us to grab the line and go put that fire out than it is to take a stance, command, and give some operational direction. So, uh... And I'll let you hit this scale, but from from my perspective, when I'm going to a scene, just like you, I need the information so I can. Especially if you're assigned to a truck or a specialty unit or something like that, and you're also trying to get your stuff together. Even on an engine, am I going to have to lay in for these guys? What what's the deal? Is so when there's a lot of information that isn't coming, and what 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 I'll always ask is, as a department, are we telling them? Are we are you guys telling us? This is what I want you to tell us. This is what I want you to to get on the scene and do. Because one thing is for you to want information, but have you given us a direction into what information do you want? Guidelines supporting that. I will prefer... Training supporting that. Correct. I will prefer to, for me, my perspective, and it has to do with where I work, I would much prefer for that incoming unit officer to take a strong command... And start establishing some responsibilities to people coming in, than for him, for themselves to engage. But I've heard the polar opposite from people going, "Well, I need to engage," and then, no, I need for, And again, I'm speaking for my perspective in my department is, I need you to stay and get some order to that scene because if you're engaged, there's no way that you're going to organize that. But I know that works different when you have predetermined assignments and stuff like that from a larger department. That makes
3: sense. Yeah, so this was just a round table at my station. We just had this. I just recently got promoted, so I've been riding up on seat a bunch. And um I asked our battalion chief, what do you want from me on the first arriving unit? And he said, I want a picture that I don't have to ask a question when I get on scene. I want to know it before I get there. And riding in the back's the same way. If the first officer paints that awesome picture then we have an idea coming in, in the back of what I'm walking into and what my job is going to be. So we actually talked about it. We're going to do more training on scene size up, just put pictures of houses and give me a size up. Because if you get on scene, just have a, a two story working structure then I know nothing. But if you tell me where the fire is coming from, how much is involved, you know, there's a pool in the backyard, you give me all these pictures, then I know more coming into it. And, Chief said, that's a huge thing. I, I don't want to have to ask questions when I get on scene. I want to know it before I get there.
1: Theoretically, that sounds so easy. But it's it so It really hard. does. So I'm always curious, and you pose, this is a great question. Theoretically, we all should know this. And even during the promotional process, most of us are just just vomiting this on the scene of a single-story residential structure we got fire showing from the a-side i'm doing a walk around Tap command on the a-side give you further on a walk around go walk we do this on promotional processes it's like but then you get to a scene and it's like anyone's on the scene working fire
2: that person just hey. got punched in the face yeah they had a plan right and they <laughs> got yes, and to, they Mike Tyson to
0: whatever they're comfortable with when <clears throat> things start going sideways and, you know, you're talking about that, you know, they do what they're comfortable, especially when things aren't going well. You know, if they can't find the hydrant or something, you, know, you know, I'll grab a hot line, you know, I'll stop talking around. I'll grab a line, I'll make this better. I mean, it typically doesn't.
1: I don't know what chief it was. I'd love to give him credit right now. It's one of the one of the big dog national chiefs around. I won't mention a name because I probably screwed it up, but it's, it's one of these big chiefs that said... You'll always know if, they're, if they know their job because they'll do it. If they resort to the job below because they're not comfortable with the one they're currently assigned to. So as a company officer, if I'm more concerned about going over to Kale and saying, I need you to pump this and do this and do that and the other, no, that's not it's kind my of role and my job. Way. That should have been done before we got on the fire scene to make sure he's prepared for the incident. My job is to make sure I'm organizing that incident and doing my, my job. So I agree with you, Hatch, that a lot of times you'll fall back to that. Well, I know how to put this fire out. That's, you know, I've been doing that for a while versus you start. And also, almost like no matter how good you try to do, you know that you're going to get spanked when it's all done about. You talk too much on the radio or you did this. So there's there's definitely a ramification to you taking control of as an incident as a battalion. That's your responsibility. That's your job. As a company officer, we're supposed to, but sometimes I'll see that people will just shy away from that and just on the scene and just such a little bit of information because it's almost like taking the hit on not giving enough and going to work may have less repercussion than you sitting there taking control and making the total botchery of the incident. Is that possible? I mean, do you see that? Yeah. I mean, how much do you think
0: is maybe the... the the officer not wanting to let go of, it's not my really job to be holding on to the line anymore. He's not the, he's not the doer anymore. He's the, he's the guy in command or he's the guy in control. I see a lot of guys that, you know, grab hold of the hose and they're, they're, you know, doing all the stuff. They're on the nozzle. Why are you as the officer on the nozzle? It should be somebody else, you know, and, and I see a lot of guys that have a hard time letting go of it. Do you guys see the same thing?
3: I think talking about what Troche said, part of that's building relationships long before the call comes out if as a chief officer if you built that relationship with your officers and the crews and you know what to expect from them and you sat down and had these talks at the dinner table i think this it, it comes across better and it'll flow better because i know what to expect hey this is what i expect from you if we catch a working incident and a big one is it's hard to slow down when you get on scene from my perspective of coming from a backstop firefighter to now I could be riding seat. And I had a captain teach me something. He said, do the 360 and stop at the back of the house and take five seconds to communicate what all you've seen when no one's back there with you and no one's trying to interrupt anything. And that was huge for me on the first fire we caught when I was riding seat. I did the 360. I stopped at the back corner, gave my... Information out to everybody. Gave the first two, the first engine and the first truck assignments out, and then went around to the front of the house when all that influence starts showing up, yeah, and I start seeing people. Up front. But I wasn't interrupted, and I could. I, I literally sat there for like two or three seconds, thought about what I was going to say, and then said it, and then walked around back to the front of the house.
1: I definitely think that um, I know as an officer, and and depend the, the people that influence you and kind of give you these nuggets to go by. One of the things that I learned, that very similar to what you're talking about, is from a, a very respect, respected battalion chief, a battalion Westbrook. He'd say, if even command of a scene, he said, leave your window up till you're ready to put it down, because I need my time to organize my thoughts to make sure that I'm getting this thing going. If I don't, it's so easy to get into the hustle when you jump off of that rig and there's fire coming out. The fire is there. You know, that's just, it is what it is. We know how to tackle that. But the race to get to it, it's a real race. So if I come off that engine as a company officer, I'm first in and I'm not real careful and I don't slow myself down to organize that, it's real quick for me to want to get in there and and skip the steps of a 360. I mean, I've seen seasoned, seasoned vets skip a 360 on a structure because they felt they know where this was, we're going to go in. I've seen this take place in my career, and you got to wonder, well, why? That, that doesn't happen anymore. Sure, it does. Freelancing is still happening out there. Uh, the 360s are not being conducted. We, we see them on the NIOSH reports. Thermal imaging cameras are not being used. So there's, for me, the greatest thing that I see when I'm looking at these videos, that people love the armchair, the YouTube videos and all that, what I look in the video as far as tactics goes is – Are they actually slowing down as a department and as a team going through to fight this fire, or is everybody just bailing out of the truck running for it? Some of the busier departments around the country, and everybody knows, you know, FDNY is such a busy and large department. One of the things I love about watching their videos is how everybody exits the rigs. There's a sense of urgency, but there's not a race in the sense of, we're going to get this fire. It's almost like, we're going to get this fire out, stand back and watch this. Then you'll watch other videos where it's it's just a a certain certain chaos that's going on and everybody trying to rush to it. While I do that 360, one of these guys are going to grab that line and they're going to come in before I do from another company and that type of stuff. So for departments that are smaller and, and not your huge New Yorks where there's predetermined assignments and all this kind of stuff, that is just that orchestrated, methodical movement towards that fire to me looks amazing. I always love to see that. We tend to get into a big rush.
3: How much of that is set by that officer's tone of voice on the radio when he gets there, how fast he's moving, and all that right off the bat, though? Oh, without if he question. jumps out of the truck running, everybody else is running, too. If he's nice and calm on the radio, I think that, that initial size-up sets the tone for the whole fire.
1: No question. Now, most people think that they're doing a good job, so i just <laughs> throw this out there. What I started doing, it's not a secret now, but... What I started doing is I actually started collecting recordings for our department of actual dispatches and the first say ten minutes of an incident, and I'm I'm putting the, the problem with that is I have a huge cache of those, but I have to be very careful when I decide that I'm going to deploy these and what I'm deploying them for. So my intent is. To have these audios and some of them even have pictures and videos along with it and say, What do you think about this? Is this how we want to operate? Are we better than this or is this okay? You start collecting those, start studying your own department, start studying that radio traffic. You've got to be careful, obviously, about putting it out because you're going to, it could go over real bad. A week later, you put out an incident that didn't go well. But if you listen to your department's audio, not just your shift, your fires, but just listen to a totality of them it could really help you to get a good understanding of what went well, repeat that. When you see that go good, like you're saying, they get there and they take control, repeat that.
2: So I actually followed your lead a little bit on that, and I haven't told you this yet. So I'm in a new position. So I started pulling audios of all the working fires, obviously. I can see them coming out. And so I spend some time, um, it's not every day, but every every two or three days I'll just try to spend five, ten minutes listening to the initials like what started this event? How did this event start? And um, there are some good ones. And my whole goal is exactly what you said. I want to start to get, kind of get an idea of what best practice sounds like. Like I know what the outcome of this was. Did it start out good and end good, or did it start out kind of shaky and end good? Did it start out shaky and end shaky? You know, whatever the case may be. So it, it's it's also um, it's actually pretty fun to listen to. You it know? is. <laughs> Sometimes I cringe. <laughs> Sometimes I like you know I just want to like get right in there with them. And, uh, but it's been it's been interesting for sure i think there's a lot of value in listening to past incidents over over whatever the case no may question be. and
1: one of the things i'm listening to that is there's are especially for you, you bragging right you can listen to a structure fire audio every day some of us have to wait a little while before we listen to the next structure fire audio but i can send them to if you want to hear me. thanks a lot. <laughs> we hear we see the videos in the pictures wow. but another component to that is that you take your we're talking about structure fires right now so you go to a fire you're listening to these videos you're checking your standards you're seeing what hey this is what we want this sounds really good this was very organized or whatever and then you have to also separate it and go what happens when it's outside of the norm and how do they react the bridge collapse being a great example of that is you know Hat shows up on the scene of something has not happened before. What's the reaction? How was that handled? I think we neglect to listen to that stuff and then go back and say, listen, these are all the things that went great. We really need to be capturing that. Because some of the incidents we run on every day and we're thinking, how, how can you be messing this one up? We do this pretty often. And then the ones that you don't do often at all and you show up and go, man, that, that, that was well done. Right. So if it was well done, why was it well right. done?
2: Oh, that's, I think I think going back and listening to them and trying to put those pieces together is the, the fun part of trying to see what It's a lot that of fun. Is.
1: It really is. It's a lot of fun and it's enlightening. You want to look at your organization as far as operations go. You want to look at your organization and, and see where they're at. That radio traffic is so important. They're drawing the picture, just like Hatch said. You want a picture? Right. Well, as a big chief... You want to picture of your department? Listen to that radio traffic. How are they sounding off to the dispatchers? What how are they uh, how's their their voice reflecting to you know, there's just a lot to that radio traffic, so I've always enjoyed listening to it. So going back to our earlier
0: discussion talking about impact and the role, how did you call learn how to ride the seat or, or ride up? How did you learn? Um,
3: so it started with just watching. <laughs>
0: Right, and And, that's exactly my point. You watched what the person riding the seat before you did. So if they did not take the time... Good and bad. Right, (laughs) and if they didn't take the time to do really good things and say good things, that creates a, a lesser effect in you. When you, would you agree?
3: I totally agree. And I had some good officers that would jump in the back seat. We'd come in one day as a firefighter. They'd be like, hey, Cale, you're riding seat today. I'm riding backwards.
2: That's a so, normal process, too.
3: Right. And it was nice, though, because I had that. Safety if, net. Yeah, it was a perfect <laughs> word for it, safety net. If I got on scene and didn't know what to do, I could just simply say on scene on the radio and then turn around and be like, hey, Cap, I, I'm
0: lost. So well, it's immediate feedback. I mean, the person's right there. They tell you right, that was right, right, that was wrong.
3: And they and our chiefs are good with that. You know, the captains will let the battalion chief know that that's going on. And a lot of time, like incident car wrecks where you have multiple units coming in or entrapments, they'll let the new guy keep command most of the time. Now, they'll come stand next to him and help them along with stuff. But having good officers that are willing to let you get in that role but still be there as a safety net, I, I probably rode up four years before i got promoted just occasionally here and there which now that i'm riding up and i'm actually in charge i feel comfortable with it are there still stuff that comes across that i'll ask some of the guys hey uh what do we do here yes but it's nice having that safety net before you're actually put in that position
0: right. so i'd say uh, from my perspective and maybe shane's as well it's what we're looking for in the communication is to raise situational awareness, not only ours, but everybody on the scene. So if something's happening, you know, a face-to-face, you know, the crew runs up to you, you're in command, and you tell them to go in and search, nobody else knows that except those. We want you to say it over the radio, yes, because it helps us tactically en route, but everybody else now hears what's going on. Some people are like, oh, you want it on tape. That's not really it. I mean, yeah, we could use that later for training, but it's really to raise the situational awareness of everybody what's going on. So it seems repetitive that, you know, I just told Pabell to go do a, a right hand search or whatever, you know, command to radio, blah, 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 you know, so and so was assigned doing a right hand search. It, it, it really, that situational awareness, I can't, I don't think can be understated, is how much we want you to paint that picture. In painting that picture, it's not just the Chiefs, it's everybody should be seeing what that picture is. You know, whether it's the guys inside, I know sometimes they can't hear things as well, but there may be key phrases that somebody's hearing that's Absolutely. going to change their tactics inside of. Or okay. I you know, they're saying that it's you know it looks like it's going to collapse on, on the delta side. All right, well we're not going okay. to the delta right. side then. I think that's a good
2: point, and uh, you know what? For me, when we're talking about this, what this creates is a good foundation of scene integrity. We talk about crew integrity and how important that is. This is scene integrity because now you're talking about every crew understanding what's happening. Who's operating where? Who's operating how? That will be huge if the situation turns south. How much do we fail at teaching our new guys that though? From your
3: perspective? Because I think we fail at it all the time. I will
2: say from my perspective I don't I don't think we do too bad of a job, actually. Um, you're talking about as far as scene integrity and,
3: and and situational awareness. I think that I think we've gotten better over the years of teaching the new guys. This is why we're doing something, and that way they see it and they can speak up. Hey, I've,
2: you know, I was that. You, you said something earlier. I think we were, we might have been tapering. You were talking about why. I just want to know why. I was always the why person. Like I I I've always been that. Why are we doing it like that? You know, I, I, I've probably said that a million times in my life. So, this naturally comes from me when, when we're talking about it, not on the fire ground, because I think that's not the right time to do that kind of stuff. But right. when we're talking at the kitchen table or wherever the case may be, I'm gonna always put a lot of wine. I'm always doing that. So if I'm saying here's why I'm thinking, you should do so and so, I will. I, I don't know that I've ever not done this. I'm sure there's. I'm sure this is. I have, but here's why I want you to do that. Here's what I'm thinking. It's important for, I think, for the crew members, for the captains, for the battalion chiefs, whatever, to understand where I'm coming from. This is what I'm thinking when I say that.
0: Do you agree? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but can you provide that on the scene, or is it things that you're doing I think way this, beforehand?
2: Uh, I think it has to be done way beforehand. So it's
0: setting your expectations. Yeah. You know, you're telling him the why beforehand, you yeah. know, by... Drills and you know, communication right. with them whatsoever. I right. mean, I hopefully, we'll from policies, with hopefully, your policy kind of right. forms out the why of you know, ours says the first engine going to do this, the second engine is going to do this, the third engine. I think, and you that's another
2: good point. I think that's what our policies also say you need to be doing this, but there's not a lot of why to that. I think it's our responsibility to come fill in the blanks. Okay, it's chief, it says to do blah. Why are we doing that? we've gotten better
3: at teaching the why and the after actions is we have like a form that the battalion chief fills out. And then when we go through the scene, we try to get the recording. We'll get a satellite photo of the house and try to get, and the chief will go through each action and talk to the officers, you know, and ask, why did you do this? And it's not a get you in trouble. Why It's so that everyone in the room, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking. This is why I did it. This is why I went this way. And I think that's where, my department's grown that everyone from the most senior guy to the most junior guy has seen these guys explain why. Why am I doing this? And it we've learned from that. And the after action on fires and any big incident has been huge in our department. We weren't we didn't do them really and now we've started doing them more. All
0: right earlier Shane brought up crew integrity. What is what does crew integrity mean to you guys? I
1: know for me, crew integrity is every single individual on that fire scene should be accounted for at all times. That's just me. So I know some people say, make sure your crew's together. And all for me is, if somebody's on that fire ground, should know who he's a time to, what they're doing. So for, if, if I'm part of uh, whatever assignment I'm, in, I'm uh, in, I need to know what we are all doing. What's our... our or everything. It's accountability. Integrity is all about accountability to me.
0: Jim,
3: Yeah, same thing. And I keep going back to building relationships. That's that crew integrity, you know, sitting around the dinner table talking and working out together and all that helps with that crew integrity because we're lucky. We don't bust up crews every year. Like some departments do. We have crews that have been together for a long time period. So it's easier to have that crew integrity on scene because you know who you work with. You can almost see what they're going to do before you even get to it. I know what my officers are going to do. I can almost guess as to what they're going to do. Oh, Shane's raising his hand, but that crew integrity is huge. And on scene, everyone works on the integrity of it. And everybody, the
2: officer doesn't always have to have everybody right there. Go ahead. Shane, Cause no. you you're killing yeah. me raising your hand. So what you're describing is great. It, that, that crew integrity is good. When I start thinking about crew integrity on the fire ground, which is what we're talking about, here's what I have seen, been a part of, been responsible for, <coughs> all the above. Engine 13, handle, search, whatever. Engine 13's crew goes in as a three- or four-man team. They go in, and they are operating together. And then the next thing you know, they have completed that assignment, and now they've decided to start pulling sealing and start looking for extension. Now what? Is that? Is that crew integrity?
1: They've done it together.
2: Yeah. No.
3: That's no. an uh,
0: assignment drift, maybe.
3: Yeah. yeah. So, Freelancing. <laughs>
1: because you know... That I speak two languages and I misappropriate words like switch hitter, which you guys have to explain to me how. (laughs) 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 Uh, We know that happens with me every once in a while. I'm getting looked at, going, "What what did you just say?" So, integrity is defined as the state of being whole and undivided. So, I would say, like we were talking about earlier, and what you're talking to is, you know, integrity. For me, the whole entirety of it is if you gave me a responsibility, I should be doing that responsibility with my crew. When I've drifted, although it's a drift, you've lost the integrity and the wholeness of what's going on because now you think I'm in one task and I'm doing something else. And I've had that happen on an incident where we all assign somebody to the interior and the next thing I know they're going up into the roof to do something. It's like, hang on a second, what you know, how, how did you even, and then you have to ask yourself, how does that even happen? How's it even, uh, and, and we don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but. How does it happen? That How do you lose that integrity? Which, it'd be easy to say, well, we're still together. Well, the battalion doesn't know where you're at. Or you've drifted off of that task, so the, the integrity as a whole has been lost now. Which, it does happen, I see it happen often.
2: I see it happen. And I think it comes, it doesn't come from a, a state of maliciousness. It comes from a state of trying to do well. I knew it needed to be done, so I just went ahead and started doing it.
1: We do, and and you hit a a good point there. We, by nature, want to do something. And if someone is not handling that something, I will volunteer myself without telling anyone that I'm going to go handle it. So I think the intent is good. But what it shows, in my opinion, and not all the time, not for every incident, but it shows a lack of discipline. Because if we, and I'll use what we do with Combat Ready. Everyone is working and doing a task. If you take your focus off of your task to go do this task, your task is undone. So now the team's got to come back to complete your task because you lost focus. the Integrity broke. So to me, I would say there's a certain discipline dropped. If you're the search team, go search the building. My effort is to protect you while you're doing that search and go put that fire out. If in the process of me putting that fire out, or come across a victim, that changes things. So I understand right. there's some subjectivity to it where it can open up. But while I'm handling that fire, if I'm more concerned or focused in on trying to do a search, right, so I'm probably I not going to be as efficient and as effective as putting I mean, that fire out.
3: You said discipline. So crew integrity versus crew discipline. I think that's a it will play on words that the integrity we think of as sorry i'm banging on the door banging on you hear it oh yeah sorry i'll stop that just
1: means he's so calm coming through
3: yeah, so the integrity of staying together yeah. and crew yes. staying yeah crew staying together but the discipline tro said i'll volunteer to do something a simple radio traffic of chief the search is done do you need us to go pull rock or something then that's that discipline of that crew to know we have a job we've completed it now we want another job and here's
2: the thing uh, and again this is my my perspective, and doesn't make it right, the incident commander is trying to run a coordinated effort on the fire ground, right? So Everybody when, has their role. Every, right, and this person is the director of that. And what happens is, so in their mind they're thinking, okay, this is how this thing is going to lay out, and this and this and this. And then one of two things happen. Either somebody has completed their assignment and now changed and went on to another assignment, which is now starting to affect the coordinated efforts of the incident commander, or they have completed their assignment, and now they're saying here's what I'm going to do are you okay with that and it starts to affect the coordinated effort of the incident commander
3: so you so don't like that as a chief officer because this is interesting so, yeah. here in this side of it well
0: here I think every especially a high functioning team you know your your squad or whatever they see themselves as a as a one man band they can do it all that we can we can vent we can search we can cut holes we, you know mm-hmm. so whatever we see we can come to do but as the chief, we are looking at it's each piece of an orchestra. You know, if you just got done with this solo, you're not going to go over and do this solo. He's going to have his part, he's going to have his part, he's going to have. And the whole thing will come together and work. We know you can do it, but we need you to do it in the role and then the timing that we told you to. Because we have a whole orchestra, a whole symphony that we're trying to put together, I guess is a good
1: way to put it. And, and I'm going to throw an example out there of something that happens, and, and this is not an example for anybody to do. But it goes back into. Is this a don't do this moment? Uh, well, I'll 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 leave it up to you. So we have a probably somewhere about two o'clock in the morning. I was an uh, engineer, then a driver, and this was a quarter mile from the station. We get a call for a structure fire with flame showing and people in tra- trapped in the in the house. We got there quick. I was a driver. I go out. Everybody starts laying lines. This house is rocking. It's a single-story ranch, but it is blowing fire out of every orifice. It's pretty pretty hot fire. Uh, crews are trying to advance and get in there. There's confirmed people inside of the two elderly people in the house and all that. I'm pumping that truck. I get everything laid out. I will say, uh, Kale... I don't know that I've ever worked as hard as be. when I was driving. Oh, that's that's a hard job, Explosive. man. I'm all over the place. I'm winded. Absolutely. And this was during the winter. It's cold. I mean, my lungs were on fire from running around this place. If somebody has to come out and ask for something, then I didn't do my job. That's the way I viewed it. Everything's going to be sitting there for you. Stoke It's ready to go for for if a victim comes out, that whole work. So, anyhow, they start advancing into this fire pretty aggressively with an inch and three quarter line. As an engineer, I know we got one inch and three quarter going through, a backup's going through, and I'm looking at it. So I get on the radio. There's not a lot of radio traffic going on. It's a pretty controlled environment. And I say, uh, battalion from engine three. I'm going to put a two and a half in the front of the uh, in the A side of the structure. All I'm wanted to do is inform him. If this thing goes south, we're going to need some big water because this house was it was going, and now we got crews committed inside. His immediate response was no. He Negative. Took that totally different. He took it totally different, which is okay. So in my mind, I'm looking, I know where his battalion buggy is parked, and I'm looking over there. He's got his hands full. I was trying to aid it to go, listen, I got a two and a half up front as my marker of going. If things go south, I got real big water to get some of this out. When the whole incident's done, which is why I respect this chief so much, and we go over it, I said, he didn't really hear me say that. He heard his note, But he didn't really hear what I had to say, and he said, Thank you. I was looking out for him. He's, don't know what's going through his mind, but you got two people confirmed, and they were, you know, two fatalities basically that took place in the structure. So he's consumed with what's going on. I have to process real quick in my mind well, is there a detriment to what I'm doing? Is this going to hurt anything? Is he, he's overwhelmed with things that he has to do. So I don't feel that I, uh, disobeyed an order when he said no because by that time the two and a half was already laying up in the front <laughs> of you he needed it you should have led with that Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know I think that our job is to help each other I'm not going to step outside of my boundaries my job is as an engineer to handle my business I think as a battalion chief I know that he trusted me to handle the job I informed him he reacted by no negative is what he said but there was a relationship built there, Carol, like you were saying, where I'm going, he's overwhelmed. Maybe that piece of radio traffic wasn't even necessary for me. And all I was trying to do inform him in case it goes south. I got you two and a half sitting up front so you can put a crew right on it. Which what you were trying to do. Correct. I mean, that's why you put it there. Yep. But after we're done, uh, you know, because now in my mind I'm going, well, he said negative. I'm not going to roll it back up and put it in the truck. It's just sitting there stagnant. I'll we say need I to don't take care of that. I'm sorry? I'll say, I don't know who did that, Chief. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, somebody was. I don't feel that I took things into my own hands on my job. And this will kind of put us into a different direction. But I think as a battalion, you can get very busy, very quick with a lot of things that have to be done. I'm going to stay within my role. If I were to grab that hose line, put on my turnout gear, and start advancing in the structure, that's a whole different mindset than saying my job as an engineer is to make sure that I fulfill everything that's needed so the battalion doesn't have to worry about it. It's always my thought is going nobody in that fire ground should have to worry about anything that has to do with me and my job task oriented but that is one that I go and do something and there's a reaction now his reaction afterwards was I'm glad you did that we didn't use it we didn't need it I'm glad you did that he didn't even even remember
2: it I I wonder, I tried to put myself in his perspective for a minute, I wonder if he took that as hey, we're putting a two and a half in play and he's like, hold off on that instead of you saying, hey, I got a two and a half just in case we need it, it's in the front yard
1: correct, and in the heat of that moment of everything going on you're gathering pieces he's hearing pieces which, you know, all of us think that the radio traffic that we're uh, putting through is critical And then when you're done with the incident that people are gathering around, they're like, man, I wish Troche would just shut up on that radio. (laughs) That's what I was going to ask. Is that
3: radio traffic really necessary as an engineer? If I throw a dry two and a half to the front door, it's really not necessary to tell him until he calls for it. Chief, there's already one there.
1: Correct. Unless, unless, and this is what my intent was, I got two people inside. I got crews going in after them. I'm looking at the fire flow. And the amount of fire I got, uh, uh, load that I got in there, and I'm going, if something goes south, that inch and three quarter is not going to take care of it. So what I have is a charged two and a half lane in the front, and I'm kind of prompting. It's almost like if you're 15 minutes into an incident and somebody prompts you, hey, chief, we got to do a park. You're prompting. So for me, I'm going, hey, chief, we got a two-and-a-half laying in the front as a prompt to go. If things go south in here with these crews inside, we need big water to push through that door. because
2: I can tell you what could potentially happen with that two-and-a-half. Somebody's going to come through with the best of intentions the They're going to take that two-and-a-half to the front door. They're going to call directly to the engineer and say, go ahead and charge the two-and-a-half. Chief's not going to have a clue what's going on. And the next thing we know, we've got a crew with a two-and-a-half inside operating independently. That is possible.
1: It's absolutely possible. To me, that would be totally freelancing, right? Yeah, but it just totally happens. Oh, absolutely, (laughs) it happens. But I'm, that, that's uh, that's like me laying a ladder up in the front lawn of the A-side in case it's needed for some and somebody grabs it and decides they're going to vent the roof. My job is to make sure the tools are available for when the chief calls for a job or for anything done.
2: Or the one ladders around the building for secondary means of egress, which is absolutely should happen. And the next thing you know, you got a crew that's independently operating VEIS on their own. And they have told no one.
1: That's why, for me, I say that is a disciplinary issue. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's number one. Scene, discipline, and besides crew discipline. Besides discipline is have you set a standard and are making sure that people are accountable to that standard. So if somebody does do that, and it is it is not obviously right. during the incident we gotta handle what needs to be handled. And I think the the military does a phenomenal job when they're done on some of these incidents where they got back and it's like mm-hmm. leave your feelings outside the door, we're gonna go in here well, and hash this thing out. This out. Yeah, we need to talk it out. So if you if that is not an acceptable standard, uh, if that is a a action that you know lack of discipline, they go in there and BES, something should happen for that to make sure it doesn't continue to happen. I know from my experiences, some of these incidents that take place like that often, not all the time, but often won't be addressed. And maybe it's not addressed aggressively enough to keep it from happening. Right. Like they say, how many battalions you got? That's how many different departments you got. You, we've all heard that, right? Five battalions, five different departments. So there needs to be times some three, times Correct. Three times time is, three. Yeah. So then you need to have, what is the standard? If that is an unacceptable behavior, then why is it still happening? Why do we still have people? And I'm, Transparently talking about myself and, and, and the department that I work with and I see where it's like, why is it that even seasoned people that know better, why are you doing that knowing that you weren't assigned that? It's freelancing. We've always said it is freelancing, but what happens when it's done? Are they accountable or somebody holding them accountable going, that was not your role? You know, I
2: think most of the time the, the heart of freelancing comes from the intent to do good. I think they're thinking that this is this needs to be done. I was just going to go ahead and do it. I've and I get it, that. but how many? i say the only
0: time it really gets they get held accountable is when it goes, when it south. goes wrong. Yeah, something goes wrong, and then they mm-hmm. are like, "All right, you know, this this was played party." To this. And you know, a you know, Mayday happened. Hours went like that. right.
2: That situation I'm telling you went right, and I had to kind of be hard about it because I, I, you know, what? Here's the beauty of what we do. My kids get tired of hearing this because being in the fire service as long as we have, we live in the world of what if. I have to constantly stay in the in the state of what if. So I go to that firefighter and I go through all the what ifs of what went wrong. That's why. This is why we're having this conversation. I get you're trying to do good. I appreciate that. But you're working outside the coordinated efforts of what we're trying to do here. And if something happens to you, what now? Not only are you potentially gone, nobody knows you're gone.
1: Correct. So it's It's tough. A lot, tough. A lot of, we, I'll say I guarantee you in the history of the fire service, there are multiple line-of-duty deaths that were a result of somebody's good intention. Absolutely. You know, I think so, all of them probably... And I say that respectfully. from good intentions. I say that respectfully. Right. There's a lot of things that have happened in the fire service that have good intention. We, you know, and, and I may be totally wrong in this, but to a certain degree, we need to be instilling... We, I think we do a pretty decent job, and, and the fire service has gotten to a level where our trainings really uh, blossom and we're doing a lot of great things, but discipline within the fire service is something that I think we need to concentrate some efforts on to go. We're like you were saying, hatch, this is an orchestrated effort. This is an orchestra. You can't stop playing this instrument right. to go do this one over here. Cause now we're missing an instrument. So I think that, Discipline of saying this is how we're going to do things and this is how we're going to move forward and then the accountability system. I'm not saying huge discipline and all this stuff, but there has to be some type of accountability. If you go to a job and they say your job is to sell these products and you're going to sell at least $100 of it every day and you don't, you're held accountable to it. After a while, you may not end up with that job selling anymore. So for us, you have to have, we have to start putting some discipline into what we do. So as a battalion chief, You can worry at about about a million things, but what you should not have to worry about is me taking that scene on my own shoulder and saying, well, I'm going to do this because he doesn't know any better. Because that's a disciplinary problem, in my opinion. That's somebody that has a lack of discipline, not even a lack of respect. There's there's a lot of things that I may not respect an individual or whatever, but through discipline, if you tell me to do something, I'm going to do it. So from a chief's perspective, how do we do that? question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I saw you. He's off for a second. I, was, I knew I was going to catch him with the, with the guard down. And still more discipline to the crews no, I, to make sure that we're... It has we're, to be
2: talked about all the time. It has to be talked about all the time. And it starts r- really with... Um, and, and listen, I'm fixing to say something that I was totally guilty of, and I wish I'd have done different. It's important that crews are out there training, they're stretching lines, they're 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 honing their craft. Guess what? It's also important that the battalion chief is with them, so that they can talk <laughs> no, about their areas, so, 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 so that, so that they huge. can so be talking about that. why what you're doing matters ultimately to the fire ground. So Absolutely. so not only does the crew get the benefit of the training and honing their craft, the battalion chief also gets the opportunity to interact with the crew and what that craft and what that skill you're doing, how it affects the overall fire ground.
1: I know from our level, and you can hear us already down here, I could not agree more with you. The battalion chief that I spoke about earlier that I have a great deal of respect, he'd go to some of these technical rescue uh, training classes that we'd be putting on, and they'd actually take the class. And some of the students would be a- asking, well, why? I said, because that chief right there wants to know what he's putting you into. Absolutely. That is such – you talk about gaining respect from people. Get in there with us so we – you may have done it at one point or another, which is okay, but he wants to engage with us so he knows today, the people that I am leading today into battle, I know what you're doing because I'm here with you. And that is huge. That's huge for I, that I the town to get involved.
2: You know, and not only does he understand what he's putting those into, and obviously that that's good – but it's an opportunity for the two parties to talk, for the battalion chief to talk with the crew. That's where you start to talk. About, that's where you start to define these expectations, and, it, and it's and it's in a better environment in the training environment to define expectations rather than the fireground. That's a tough time to be dealing with expectations.
0: And, and we realize too, you know, that none of this is talked as not in a vacuum chiefs get overwhelmed, company officers get overwhelmed, oh, sure. firefighters get overwhelmed, and things are going to happen. You're going to result back, to, like you said, You know, your chief basically just didn't hear what you said. He was so overwhelmed with something else, so he said no because he didn't want something to happen that he didn't know what he was saying yes to. Correct. And I, I can kind of get that. So I'd say in every situation, there's no perfect, You know, me and Shane giving up our perspective, it's just our opinion. It's not like all chiefs are this and, way. And
2: mine comes from a lot of error.
0: Yeah, me, everything no, me I've too. talked me too about, sure. I have screwed up personally. Oh, yeah. All of 100%. It. Every bit of it. I own every bit of it. So, you know, so when, when we come up with these, you know, suggestions and things like that, it, we're not saying it in a vacuum. We expect every time it to be perfect to be this way, there's going to be missteps all along the way. But be open to that dialogue of this is what I'd like to see you do better. This is what I'd like to see you change. I think so many people get their uh, feelings, you know, hurt. When somebody comes and directly says, you know, that that wasn't exactly what I had intended, there, you know, I need and, you to go and this feedback back to us. I was about yeah, to say. yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean,
2: because we need to hear that feedback too. Absolutely. You Absolutely. know, hey, I don't like it when you do this on the fireground ground when
0: I haven't had time to do whatever. You yeah, know? that's that's a big one too. We're going to close it out instead yeah. of going into timing. But timing, I wanted another this one to too. talk
2: about. It. We can come back to it. It'll be fun. Yeah,
0: uh, because that, that is a big part of it. You know, timing and how long we expect things to happen. Uh, but. You know, just like you said, you know, we do need feedback, you know, but I think a lot of people get intimidated by our position and don't want to come back and tell us sometimes. They might
2: be intimidated by you. They're I not was going to say,
1: n- nothing to do with the fact that you're seven foot. Right. <laughs> that has nothing to do with it. Well, you know, but that's, that's I. am what approachable, I,
0: so it's not a problem. Okay, okay. And he's friends the with the president. Head. Yeah. <laughs> That you you know, at least I, I will go to guys that I've known for a long, long time, you know, that knew me and I was a firefighter and whatever, and so I usually blast them, you know, for that feedback, you know, because I need I do need people to be honest with me and tell me, this is, you know, this is the way you come across, this is what's happening, you know, it, it helps me grow, it helps me do it, run better scenes, just like we're trying to help, you know, our, our guys run better scenes as well. They just need to be open to it. Yeah. All right, so that's going to play out this part, but we're going to go ahead and ask, uh, you know, Cale, the uh, Frank Martinez slain questions. So, uh, Cale, what is your favorite word or phrase on the fire ground?
3: God, I tried thinking about this one. This one's hard. Um, I guess I'd say all clear after a search. All clear. All right. What is your least favorite phrase on the fire ground? Just yelling. It doesn't have to be any phrase. I
0: can't stand yelling on a fire ground. Okay. Yelling over the radio or just yelling Both. in Both, yes. Yes, yeah, so I can't stand yelling over the radio. It drives me nuts. Uh, Engine or Truck. Truck. Especially now, you got a tiller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, slightly biased. Yeah, right. Before and after truck. Uh, what motivates you?
3: Uh, family, I'd have to say. Um, being the best, the most professional I can be to get to come home that next day to the family. All right. Uh, what's your
0: favorite book? Uh, got to pick one. Yeah, can't be the telephone book. I'm just kidding. Um, those don't exist anymore. Favorite book.
3: I got to go with two. So, we but, just said one. I don't want to. Yeah, but see, this is part I don't of the like it's listening exactly to what geez. we were talking about. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> this is the communication. is exactly about. <laughs> what we were talking about. All right, about. favorite one book Extreme, Extreme Ownership by okay. Jocko. next go anybody. before you start to slip the second Great. one. No, me. I actually want to hear why.
0: Why is it my I'm, favorite? Yeah, because I want, I want people to get encouraged to read more. I mean, yeah, the, I, I think it's a missing component.
3: I'm a huge reader. The lessons learned in it, and I can go back to it when I have a question, it's. Uh, It's not like the typical war story book of this is what we did and this is so awesome. I like the he breaks it down of here's what we did to screw up and admits it, shows how they fixed it in a military setting, and then shows how it works in corporate world. So that's that part of that book just it it, it's awesome.
0: And speaking of me getting to meet
3: people, you got to meet Jago. I did a couple of times. So look his face, super nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. the totally person. laid back guy, not what I expected. I thought I had this huge persona of a Navy SEAL, and he's sitting around talking to him when you get him individually. He's just like us sitting here at the table. Awesome guy. Cool. That's
0: cool. That is very cool. Uh, what profession would you most uh, want to do if you weren't a firefighter?
3: Be a hunting guide out west. Love to just live in the mountains and take people hunting. Be awesome. I'd be your type like guide. Yeah, like a guy. Cool. It'd be so cool. i figure a cop.
1: No. Yeah. he's being kind of sneaky about
3: that one. He's secret. Oh, uh, yeah.
0: He's not saying that out loud. No. Uh, if you're being introduced as the keynote speaker FDIC, what song would you be introduced by? Welcome to the Jungle. I don't like it. <laughs> At your retirement, how do you want to be remembered? Ooh. Um, just that did something
3: to change my department for the positive. That being an influential guy not definitely not always the nicest guy but at least that made some positive changes in some
0: people's lives awesome hey man i really appreciate you coming out and talking with us it's fun uh, going over this and that's gonna wrap it up for us that
2: was good i enjoyed awesome. that good
0: times yeah. thank you please visit the website uh combustible the send us an email uh, reach out to me at hatch uh, at ctp on twitter a-Shane at uh, CTP. He's looking it up right now. He has no idea. <laughs> uh, is it Troche? Have or them just it? go no. to you. <laughs> <laughs> All of them go to me. That would be awesome. <laughs> it's Troche. It? It's yeah, Troche. At Troche, uh, CTP. And that Bill. Watch it. I can't believe there's another, another Bill. That's weird. At CTP. Awesome. See you guys later. See ya. What the hell's a uh, switch hitter?